chocolate chips so that would be the chocolate chips in my bowl yeah that's life uh oftentimes in the evenings we like to have a few snacks and uh tony's snack is peanut butter and chocolate chips so just you try it it's delicious okay uh today's episode is going to be about the music industry and the hidden hand of the occult in the music industry so basically it's the idea that the music industry is an arm of some sort of hidden agenda orchestrated by either the illuminati freemasons whatever you know the elite i am super super excited to hear about this because you read that book and have been doing some research and I want to read that book, but I wanted to wait till we were done doing this so that way I could find out along with all of you guys and ask the questions that I need to ask. So, Yes, I'm basing all of my research uh, for this episode and the subsequent episodes um, is going to be used by... Uh, I read this book by Mark Devlin called Musical Truths. Uh, exposing the mind control manipulations of the corporate music industry and how to take back our power. Um, this book was, it wasn't that it was uh, anything unknown that I hadn't already heard of, but there was so much information Mm -hmm. in the book that it's simply hard to describe it in a podcast. Uh, so this is going to have to be a multiple part series um so this is going to be episode one volume one you know of this uh subject which is the occult um in the music industry uh i don't know if most people i would assume know what occult means right uh i mean you can assume all you want but that doesn't make it true so you might as well just say it occult just means hidden Occult literally means hidden. So the people, many researchers have uh, come to the conclusion or the the strong hypothesis that most popular music is produced, written, and uh, performed for the purpose of basically mind-controlling the population uh, that listens to it. Which isn't far-fetched because, I mean, they blatantly admit that basically with commercials, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, most things are uh, that's in the mainstream, um, if you do any sort of looking into them, it's quite obvious that they, the agenda is um, kind of different or uh, uh, at odds with um, the majority of the people watching it. You know, it's not like um, you just suddenly want to start doing things that are counter to your own (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, well-being or you know obviously drinking soda is going to be bad for you so you they have to come up with a a clever way to get you to want to 
consume massive amounts of sugar, uh, you know, so they've got to use certain methods through advertising and whatnot. Well, sugar is addictive, hence my treat tonight. Right. So, I mean, if they get a cool enough thing, get you hooked on it, and then that's all you drink. I mean, I have two people that I know that literally, instead of just buying, like, bottles of pop, will buy two liters and just carry it around with them all day. Like, that's how much pop they drink in a day. Their teeth are fucking gone, so they look like meth heads, but, I mean, that's how much pop they drink a day. Right. So, uh, it boils down to advertising, mainstream media, the music industry, the film industry, anything that comes on the screen or you can listen to, um, not including this podcast, but um, anything that's corporatized or has advertisements behind it are you know, nine times out of 10, there's some sort of hidden images, hidden meanings, occult symbolism um, to get you to either consciously or unconsciously do something that they want you to do. Either destroy your morals, support a war, support their ever-increasing strange... behaviors that no one would ever pick to do sometimes on their own. I think it, sometimes I think it's just um, literally wanting to dumb us down, too. It has nothing to do with... I mean, not that it has nothing to do with it, but I'm just saying I think sometimes it's literally just to dumb people down because there's something bigger coming. That's what I think's happening. Yeah, and if you listen to any... Just pop on any station right now if you want. You know, pause, turn on the radio, and any popular mu- music you listen to or hear... I mean, what the hell are they talking about? What is it about? And, you know, it doesn't make much sense. And it's um, most likely going to dull your mind or put you in sort of, some sort of a uh, trance almost because it's so stupid and repetitive. You know, every pop song is on the same, has the same 4-4 time signature, the same bass, the same tempo. And the same stupid lyrics. Uh, well, now all music sounds the same to me. The pop, country, rap. Yeah, it's all, all it auto-tuned. Yeah, I mean... Generic. None of it's original in any way. No. But the point of this podcast is to highlight some of the strange... Not really coincidences. Because is it a coincidence if it happens a hundred times? You know, th- there are no coincidences. Mm-hmm. As we've kind of come to learn and... Uh, it's the same with the music industry. Um, no, it's not. It doesn't seem to be random. Uh, all these things that happen uh, with, the, with the music industry appear to be orchestrated somehow. So we're just going to start at the beginning, kind of like uh, in the 50s. We're just going to start there. Uh, that's where the book starts. There's so many aspects to the story, but we're just going to start um, with the number one. Uh, if you, if I say the name, I'm sure you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, the king of rock and roll. You're going to ruin my whole life, aren't you? <laughs> You're just going to make my whole reality come crashing down. No. Uh, oh my God. The first person we're going to talk about is Elvis Presley, which Tony loves Elvis. She has a tattoo of Elvis. Um, which I, I have an Elvis sticker on my car. I I've have been a, to Graceland. You're gonna destroy my life. Here we go. Well, there's not 
you know, there's nothing too f- freaky, but as as I'll demonstrate throughout this uh, process here, um, it doesn't seem to be that every single one of these artists come about their careers naturally, mm-hmm. or they have strange ties to the military, or some sort of um, weird like uh, person behind mm-hmm. them who seems to be controlling a lot of the things that they do. So yeah, let's just get right into it. Elvis Presley, um, you know, the king of rock and roll. He basically created the um, what's what it, the music industry is now, uh, and the idea of a rock star, and the idea of a pop star came. I mean, really, Elvis was one of the first ones. His music is mostly um, ripped off from uh, traditional black musicians. Uh, well, lot... He grew up in the ghetto, so that's why. Well, he's from the South. There's no doubt about that. And he he, he grew up in a time where that type of music and that uh, those artists existed. And he, you know, it's not like he didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. But the music that he popularized definitely wasn't invented by him, for sure. But he was a clean-cut, perfect type of person to be the icon of a generation and to, uh, especially in terms of the media. But there's some strange things about Elvis uh, that all of these artists seem to have somewhat in common. One of the strange things about Elvis is that he marries Priscilla. So... Priscilla Presley was uh, Elvis's. Was that his first wife? He, yeah. he. What was his second wife? He never had another wife. All the rest were girlfriends. Okay. Well, his first wife, uh, official wife, um, Priscilla Presley. They married on 13 September 1959. Uh, he met Priscilla in Bad Neuheim, Germany, uh, while he was stationed there in Germany. Uh, side note: Elvis was stationed at the same place I was. Um, stationed for a time in germany um kind of weird whatever but he meets priscilla in 1959 at a party in bad neuheim Neuheim, germany and at the time priscilla is only 14 years old so he meets priscilla and starts dating her and marries her eventually but you know, that's really not kosher, in my opinion, to Why start dating. Kosher? I mean, he was in his mid-20s or I know this. older. I, I know this. I just wanted you to say it because you didn't say it. In... Yeah. At the time, he was way older than 14. And yeah, I actually think he was like, I can't even remember, but I think he was like 20 or 21. Or yeah, he was uh, definitely not a teenager anymore. And marrying someone uh, who's 14 when you're... 20 some or even starting to date someone that at that age is uh yeah he doesn't marry her when she's 14 but yeah definitely not the right thing to do in my in my opinion um maybe it is in some cultures but uh a 14 year old girl is not really uh, very mature i don't think technically they even date technically at this time they obviously have an attraction towards each other and like want to date but I don't think it's official or anything because of that, 
but there's definitely some shady, like... Yeah, who knows what's know. going on in, in reality. Yeah, there's, God there's only definitely knows. some shady stuff going on between them, because I know that that kind of goes on and off for a little while, so... Yeah, so th- that's just one aspect, uh, you know. Elvis is in the army, which, you know, I was in the army. Nothing too weird about that, but while he's in the army, he meets the colonel, who... Which is Priscilla's dad. Which is Priscilla's dad, who goes on to basically be in charge of Elvis for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much, and happens to marry his daughter, who's a young girl, or meets her when he, she's a young girl, and, you know, everything that happens later throughout Elvis's life is all not really, it's all fucked up, mm-hmm. you know, which leads to his death. You know, he dies August 16th, 1977, um, which I found this was strange. August 16th, 1977, this happened to be Madonna's 19th birthday. I guess I don't find that all that strange. Like, who cares? Yeah, it's it's nothing weird about it. It's just like, huh, you know, because 1977, Madonna became popular when? In the 80s? The early 80s? 1980, around there? Somewhere around there, yeah. So, I don't know. N- nothing weird. Just, it's another strange thing. Like, another little, what are the odds of that? Another little tidbit. Yeah. So, his 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 death was strange. Um, anyone who's ever heard or read anything about Elvis knows that he died supposedly on the toilet. Um, he wasn't discovered until nine hours later or something after he supposedly was just going to go use the bathroom or take a bath or something and then he's found dead on on the toilet uh his official cause of death is he's obese uh over um using prescription medications and uh has heart issues because of all his lifestyle but um as noted in the presley arrangement by monty nicholson uh the autopsy appears to be doctored somehow there's missing photos, missing medical reports, and a missing to- toxicology report. And uh, lots of people said that the body um, didn't appear. Uh, it appeared to be altered in some way during the wake. That Elvis's nose looked all weird and didn't really match. And that um, it looked like Elvis was sweating <laughs> in, during the wake. And that um, his death certificate kind of uh, looked to be signed by some by him by Elvis like it, his death certificate looked like it was signed by Elvis by him by his own self <laughs> yeah by himself and uh yeah is he breathing doing during well, the wake like how do you yeah, sweat during I don't know it's just very uh, I you mean know. I cuz just to play devil's advocate I could totally see like if you say you stroke out on the toilet unfortunate but it happens whatever say you stroke out on the toilet what's going to happen to you? You're going to fall face first down and probably smash your face. Like I've seen a woman have a straight up seizure while walking down the street and just face planted into the cement. Uh, her nose was fucked up. Her whole face was fucked up, but her nose was not. In yeah. The that, yeah. Her, that, that actually makes you know, sense. That could be, like, that could be possible. Her nose was not in the center of her face anymore. That's for sure. So, I mean, they would have to doctor it then because if he's going to have an open casket wake, I mean, in a visitation setup, you're going to have to to do something to make it not look so morbid for the people viewing him. 
Well, there's no doubt that during the wake and during the process of viewing the body that you have to doctor up the corpse to make it look like a, a person that's not dead. You know, that's one of the main things of a undertaker is to make sure that the well, person yeah, I mean, looks no matter be, what uh, they I mean cuz immediately upon your death your body typically starts you know decomposing so they put makeup on you and they you're not going to look like yourself anyway cuz you're already dead things are already happening physically things are happening you know so regardless you're not going to look quite like yourself anyhow but right and you know it's just it's not that that's odd it's just another strange slight, slightly strange thing right another something was elvis's career just a psychological operation to further destroy the morality of the u.s that's kind of a pretty big claim well who's saying this? i just made it i just said it oh you were just questioning yeah like what is the point of elvis why did elvis rise to fame why did he accomplish what he accomplished and what would be the point of having elvis um be at that level if you're the one to control like why would you want elvis if i was the one in control i mean i don't know i that's a really big question to ask because it starts with someone who obviously wants to be famous who obviously has talent who has looks it i don't know i feel like that's just a really big question to ask do you think it stems from a natural talent that leads to possibly being in the music industry. And then once you get to the music industry, everything just changes based on money. And then next thing you know, you're signing contracts and doing all the stuff that you didn't really want to do in the origin, in the origins, but you're getting all this money and fame that it changes you or. I don't know. I think I'm sure it happens a couple different ways, but one of them I think is someone who just happens to have talent at least in this and that era like nowadays i don't i think you just have to have a look and they'll make it happen for you but back then i think you really did have to have talent and then once you got like noticed or whatever then they kind of were like i mean how many times have you signed paperwork we were just talking about this the other day how many times have you signed paperwork without even fucking reading it so then you know or they're like oh they just skim through it and they're like oh well this is just for this this is just for that so you just want to sign it and whatever get it done time constraints and whatnot so i think a lot of that stuff happens and then there's shit written in there you know saying like basically we do this you do that whatever you're basically a circus monkey for however long all that stuff but also too or or we or just broadly like we have control over um certain aspects whatever well then they sneak stuff in because it's in the contract they can do that and it's a contract that you didn't even fucking read you know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot like of that... Like the terms and conditions. Right. So I think a lot of that shit happens, or at least did happen a lot. Um, and I think it really just depends on the person, too. Like, how eager are they to, to achieve be, fame and yeah, be famous? Yeah, to, to be famous and to achieve this stardom, whether they care or not, um, if they're doing bad things with it. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. I'm sure some of them tried to be good human beings after after they reached fame and some of them probably didn't give two shits i mean it all depends on personality and everything else too so that's a lot of questions um based on a lot of different you know factors at play so yeah so who knows but basically what i wanted to get through with elvis is um kind of setting up a pattern of strange occurrences Mm -hmm. um he dies 
he's not 27 years old when he dies, but he dies in 1977. Um, there's been massive claims of him faking his own death, and he still wasn't that, old though. No, he, no, he wasn't old. He, you know, hundreds of Elvis sightings throughout the world since then. Um, he married a and dated a young woman uh, whose father was ultimately in control of his career for his the rest of his life. Well, he pushed the marriage. Um, he was in too. the military. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit strange because a lot of these same types of things are similar for lots of other um, famous recording artists. And Elvis is just one of them in a long list. I'm not saying Elvis is 100% a psychological operation, but it's. Strange occurrences that seem to be matching up with lots of other uh, recording artists of the time and to c- continuing on. To you just don't want to be the one to say it and tell me that. Well, this, I, uh... it's not that. It's just that I couldn't find that much information okay, and okay. I didn't delve too deeply so, into Elvis because I'm sure there is a lots of other theories. And I thought maybe you were just going to wait till I read the book and let me figure out for myself. No, in this book, there's not that much about Elvis and okay, the good. nefarious aspects of Elvis in particular. Woo! Just a little bit strange occurrences. Okay. All right, the next one uh, I'm going to go into is Elton John, um, a, r- a real name, Reginald Dwight. <clears throat> so, full disclosure, I like Elton John. My mom likes Elton John, too. I mean, ever since I've been a kid, I liked Elton John. I don't know if... If it's just because my mom liked Elton John and would play the music or what the reason is. But to this day, I like Elton John. Uh, some of some of his songs, you know, mm-hmm. the major ones like Goodbye Yellowbrick Road, Daniel, Rocket Man, um, Benny and the Jets, uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. But uh, strange things about... <laughs> Elton John. So Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John. There's another thing. So I- any Englishman who has been knighted by the Queen definitely got to be some weird shit going on because the Queen doesn't just knight anyone. And it's my belief and many other researchers that to even get to a level of being knighted, you're basically in the club, you know, possibly drinking child blood for a junior coma i mean who knows but it's not like you just get to be knighted for the hell of it just because you're so great mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's got yeah be... like how many other famous artists are out there who have not been knighted, right you know? you know and it's always the ones who are propped up so heavily like elton john to this day elton john is still a right legend and is still uh, a part of so many things so one thing about elton john Fascinated by Aleister Crowley. Uh, this is a very common theme uh, with recording artists from the early days all the way up until now. Uh, so many artists are either espouse the teachings of Aleister Crowley or they um, just claim to like him or have uh, they'll have like the books of Aleister Crowley or or possibly even members of the his religion he created. Can you please go over who he is for our listeners? I am going to go into Aleister Crowley. Okay. A whole section on him in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, but I just wanted to bring that out right now that this is one of the first ones um, 
I'm going to talk about where uh, they're fascinated by Aleister Crowley. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's fascinated by Aleister Crowley. Um, supposedly, the song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road um, was written in which language? So, so many songs and uh, popular songs in the world uh, make no sense. Mm-hmm. The lyrics, uh, you know, if you read the lyrics to the song, like, what the fuck are they talking about? Like, it doesn't make much sense. You can't really figure out what they're, what the point of the song is even about. Mm-hmm. Um, like, some of the words don't match up with what the context of the song is or, you know. So this song is claimed to be one of those songs where uh, it doesn't make any sense to whoever's listening to it until you get high on drugs or something. Then all of a sudden, you're like, oh... Now I understand what the hell he's talking about. But there's been claims um, in an insider from the music business uh, sometime in the early 2000s um, claimed that virtually every single record that was produced out of um, all the major producing houses. um, So they make a master copy of each record. Mm -hmm. Supposedly... Every single one of these major companies, they would have, they would be produced, and then uh, when they made the original copy, they would have like a coven of witches, slash, God knows who, Satan worshiping types, um, basically do an incantation into the master copy of the record, um, either through backmasking or just literally like creating a satanic bond over the master recording so that every single recording that they produced from that recording would be encoded with their subliminal um, spell that they put on this record to put out into the world. You know, so when listening to the song, you're hearing, you know, on the surface, Goodbye the Yellow Brick Road, Okay, that is a song. I'm guessing he must be talking about the Wizard of Oz and the the Wizard of or Oz it's metaphorical, uh, metaphorical, right? Which the Yellow Brick Road is a me- metaphor for. Where does the Yellow Brick Road lead to? Oz, you know, Dorothy's trying to get to Oz. When she gets to Oz, turns out that everything she's been searching for this whole time, she already had within herself this whole time, and it all turns out to be a dream. I mean, all of The Wizard of Oz is a highly um, controversial movie in itself. You, I have a couple questions, though. Okay. Um, you, I don't even know the word you use now because it's been so long ago because I couldn't cut you off. But you said that supposedly these people come in and do incantations or whatever. And you said by back something. Backmasking. Back, what is that? What is backmasking? Backmasking has been... Um, it was always the assumption or the, um, like uh, the people that are always talking shit about records that being evil, Mm -hmm. like uh, the Christian conservatives or whoever always would say that if you play this record backwards, it says, hell, Satan, worship Satan, kill Mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, that was always kind of assumed to be not true, Mm -hmm. but there's been proven cases of that being true. 
where they the artist purposefully recorded a portion of the song to subliminally <laughs> when you play it forward you can't hear it but when you play it backwards it's actually saying worship satan or whatever mm -hmm. and one of the cases where this turned out to be true was um judas priest um i can't remember the name of the song but they it was a lawsuit and they had to dis disclose the fact that they used back mask back masking on the record mm -hmm. because someone committed suicide and they sued the record company saying that they their son committed suicide because they listened to Judas Priest and Judas Priest is evil. So they went to court, you know, and mm -hmm. through the litigation, it turned out that they did, in fact, do backmasking on the record. Mm -hmm. So when you play the record backwards, it would say hell Satan or kill yourself, whatever. Mm -hmm. So back, that's backmasking. Okay. Basically. So... The, when I'm when they say about this witch language, yeah, um, what what is that exactly? So that's that's pretty much like the uh, undecipherable lyrics that don't make any sense. Like, so they are English words. They're English words, but it's just like a a, a way in which they're said they're that a they're way in which together. in which they're said that is basically like an incantation or a spell. Okay. Um, for the purpose, like set a but it's all subliminal. To... Okay. It's not to be understood through your conscious mind. It's for your subliminal, unconscious mind mm -hmm. when you hear it to go into your subconscious and fuck with your mind, basically. Right. So uh, this uh, what record industry insider came out in the early two thousands and said that virtually all the records were being produced in this manner. Where every single record was being presided over, that even at the, in some of the basements or um, areas of the recording studios was like the witch area where they would go take the master copy of the record, do the spells, including like blood, like all cut their hands, all join hands with blood, do a satanic ritual over the record, and then. Use that that master copy to produce every single record after that. So when you hear the record, you're just hearing whatever, you know, it doesn't sound bad. Or, you know, and actually, you can't help but like the music, actually, because it it's produced properly. You know, it's got the certain frequency that sounds great. That's why all pop music, you know, you can't help but, like, almost want to dance to it because of the time signatures. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed that Goodbye the Yellow Brick Road and probably other Elton John records and in many other artists um, were produced in this manner. Well, I, I would imagine if I were these people in charge that I would do this because I would want a number one hit out of it because then that means it's the most listened to and all this other stuff. So you could probably just assume that all of his like top songs on the radio, you know. Well, not only his, uh, every top song. I know, but that's what I'm saying. I'm just <clears> saying <throat> because we're talking about Elton John specifically, I was using his as an example. But any like number one song, theoretically, if this is true, and this is a weird thing that's happening, that A, that's why, because they want a number one record, and B, that's how, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and... 
who knows? I mean, this is this is all hearsay, basically, from like so many far removed source at this point. What we're talking about now, but if you are in charge of the of the music industry and you're in charge of the film industry and you're in charge of all these things, and you legitimately are evil and you legitimately worship Satan and you want to bring about the Antichrist or you know, your your whole goal in life is to destroy humanity and the world. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they do that for the for records? Like, well, and like we said <laughs> earlier, if someone wanted fame enough, why wouldn't they do whatever they could to get a number one song? Yeah, you know, you Elton know John mean? is pretty rich, and he's like, got everything I mean, he's ever wanted. I mean, and... think about it. Someone could just be like, I don't want to know the details. Do whatever you got to do. Just make my song number one. I just don't want to know the details. And sign away whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I could see that happening a lot if it's something they wanted enough, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of weird about Elton John. Um, another another coincidence, which, you know, there's no coincidences, but in 2007, he has a run-in at the airport where a nude photo of a child is found that he claims is just art. That this nude photo of the child is just a piece of art. That's why he has it. It's like just a piece of art and... Where is it discovered? He's like just going... It's in his suitcase or whatever. And he searched... They searched his suitcase? Yeah, he's just flying back and for some reason this, this photo is discovered and it causes him to be interviewed by the police at the airport and everything. And... You know, it's a nude photo of a child. <laughs> Which, like not a painting, like an actual No, uh, just a, like a photograph, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Which, that has been pretty much covered up at this point. Right, because, I mean, I've never heard about that. Right. I, mean, I don't know a lot about Elton John, but I know enough. Yeah, so this happened in 2007. Um, kind of odd, in my opinion. Uh, not just odd, disgusting. Yeah, like how... How do you, you can't explain that away. My, you can't explain right, it. Right, exactly. I, I want, I mean, it's not art. No. So he just claims, oh, that's just art. Sorry. You know, what's the big deal? Um, his famous co-writer, uh, Bernie Toppin, um, he described uh, Elton John's home as being laden with trinkets and books related to Satanism and witchcraft. Um, that all of... Inside John, Elton John's house, it's just full of uh, Satanism books and uh, witchcraft uh, books and little weird trinkets all over the place of uh, like nude art photos, like not photos, but like weird art of nude children and all kinds of weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, another controversy that that Elton John had was that in 1999. He had dancers in Boy Scout uniforms um, strip during a performance. So they were adult uh, performers, dancers. But uh, like on an actual stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a benefit concert uh, with George Michael and some other performer. And as part of his show, he had these uh, dancers, most likely, you know, just regular dancers. But they were dressed as uh, Boy Scouts in the official Boy Scout uniform and, you know, doing gross shit, like stripping their clothes off, mm-hmm. uh, which caused the Boy Scouts of America to have to issue a statement basically saying, you know, we don't 
condone this performance and this right. is not uh, you know we didn't definitely did not approve of any of this mm-hmm. and it's it's wrong it's fucked up it's kind of weird oh uh, that's very weird in my opinion that's disgusting well i, I think the the photograph gets me way more because one he lied and said it's art because there's no way that that is art two he got away with it and three like we know now that sex trafficking is like highly prominent these days yeah highly so you know what i mean like it and that wasn't that long ago 2007 wasn't that long ago i'm sure sex trafficking has been around for way longer than that but right now it's like exploding people know about it people know (laughs) about it and it seems like it's i mean literally everywhere yeah uh the whole point of this uh talking about elton john is just another strange thing you know, Elton John is a massive pop star. Right. And what's up with all this stuff right. in, in his past? Well, and almost every every star who's really famous usually has drug addiction. I mean, I'm sure at some point you're still, I mean, you're still human being. So especially if you were, you know, like discovered and, and brought from humble means and became, you know, became a star. Like, how do you deal with the human side of you that does feel guilt and compassion for people you know what i mean yeah almost every single star struggles or has struggled with drugs with and, drugs alcohol. and alcohol to the max yeah you know? which elton john was uh he's, he's famously a drug mm-hmm. addict all right yeah all right on to the next one jimmy page of led zeppelin i'm just going to go through these next few um quickly because it's just kind of a it's just to shed a light on the similarities. So Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, he was also infatuated with Aleister Crowley. Um, he and he had an affair with a fourteen-year-old groupie named Lori Mad- Maddox, aka Lori Lightning. Uh, this same fourteen-year-old girl supposedly also was um, in a relationship with David Bowie and another person in the music industry so, okay but is she is she someone you know what i mean no, like not really does she have famous parents is, is there something no is there i don't a tie think so with her in any way other no she just was a groupie to all these bands yeah i'm not what? exactly sure how she got into the whole scene with that but uh you know just another member of a rock band group and happens to have an affair with a 14 year old definitely not okay no, it's not okay, but I'm more interested in her and why is she with all these people? How does she get around in that scene if she's nobody? I don't know. I, I think it it goes into that in the book a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's just, I just wrote it down quickly because there's just so much info. Okay. Um, next person, I just wrote, did this because uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, famously married his 13-year-old cousin. Right. You know, gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Billy Wyman of the Rolling Stones, he had an affair with a 13-year-old that he later married. Uh, definitely not okay. <laughs> I uh, just, do you happen to know if those people, did they stay married? Their entire no, life? no, no, no. Um, Billy Wyman, uh, they got divorced two years later. Jerry Lee Lewis was divorced from that 13-year-old and Jimmy Page um, just had an affair with this girl who didn't marry her. Okay. But... Yeah, I mean, massive uh, fame of, from these people, and for some reason, marrying or having affairs with kids. 
Right. Definitely wrong. Um, it's just a theme. It's a weird theme that seems to be um, well, continuing I, with I, many, I can, many pop stars. It's horribly disgusting, but I can understand it if I was a, I don't know what you want to call it, a, I don't know, a pervert or or just even at the powers that be. I mean, when a girl goes through puberty, which is right at that age, I mean, they know 100% you're a virgin at that point, which is like a sacred thing, you know, and you're probably at the height of your fertility at that point as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a woman only has so many eggs she's born with, as many as she's ever going to have. Well, they're going to be the most healthy, the most um, production of them, however you want to put that. It's all going to be right then, like this time frame in a woman's life. Yeah. You know, that's literally like the moment they become a woman instead of a girl. So I could see ritualistically from whatever you want to call this uh, cult or Illuminati thing, whatever, I could understand why that would be a prominent age for people like this, if they're involved with it, to, to seek be out. Pick, picking those people. To, yeah, to be picking people like this. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that make, I, I never thought of it from that aspect. Yeah, to me that makes a lot of sense. And that they're not just kids. This is like peak time, you know, for a woman. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, fucked up and gross. Yes. Though but still. It still is. It still makes sense for that time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, now I'm going to go... I'm just going to give the back somewhat of a background into Aleister Crowley. So Aleister Crowley was a famous occultist. He was born Edward Alexander Crowley um, in Lymington Spa in 1875. Um, he was educated in Malvern and Trinity College in Cambridge, uh, where he changed his name to Aleister. Um, what did he study? What did he go to those places for? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure uh, his official um, degree, but uh, it possibly English. Okay. Because he was a poet and a novelist. Uh, he wrote many books. Okay. The most famous book that he wrote was called The Book of the Law, um, which was the basis for his religion, Thelema. Um, liber, liber al Velages, um, in Latin, which is translated to the book of the law. This book was the basis for his religion, Thelema. Um, so he created his own religion as well. He as... created his own religion, okay. which is popularized by the term, which you may have heard this before, do what thou wilt. Have you ever heard that before? No. That came from that book. Okay. The basis, the basics of it are that you should do what you want, whatever feels good, you should do, even if it's evil. So Aleister Crowley thought you should just do whatever you felt like you should do based on your own will, mm -hmm. um, which... So you should specifically, like, never decipher right from wrong. If you want to do it, do it. Yeah, do what thou wilt. Basically, just do what you want to do. Um, okay. Whether if it feels good or you like it, do it, even if it's supposedly bad. 
Well, that's, I mean, that's the hard thing, though, is that right and wrong are perception. I mean, we're taught right from wrong, but who's to say that what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong? It's all based on perception. It is, but killing someone's wrong. To most normal people, you're right, but again, that comes down to perception, you know? I mean, I think that's one reason why the phrase, only God can judge me, is is a thing, you know? Because we don't know what really is right from wrong in the eyes of God, but immorally... Morally, to most people, yes, killing another human being is wrong. Right. Well, according to the Ten Commandments, right, killing is wrong. Right. There's ten but things, I mean, but I mean, you shouldn't do. Right. But I mean, like everything is based on perception. I'm sure you could justify it some way. Is killing someone wrong if you're being attacked and they're trying to kill you? I don't know. To me, that's not wrong. You know. So again, everything is based on perception of the person. Obviously sacrificing a human being I would assume was very wrong because that's straight up murder with no rhyme or reason to it you know yeah oh before you go on just because I'm curious do you happen to know why he changed his name to Alistair or is there is there what does that name mean does that have some sort of meaning that is negative or I don't know I don't think so I've actually never heard the name Alistair before um, besides him. So just curious if that is just something he made up, if it's actually a name, and if it is a name, does it have any significant meaning behind it? I'm sure it probably does because he was so um, obsessed with the occult. But I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know. But this book, the Book of the Law, he translated this book, supposedly, from a entity called Awas that came to him and he said that for three days this entity channeled him and he wrote this book based on what that entity told him to say. Very similar to um, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon was written similarly uh, in the same sim- in a similar manner but Regardless, um, this book and all of these other books that he wrote, uh, and up until this day, he uh, is basically the father of uh, the modern day occult movement, mm-hmm. which you know kind of later somewhat spawned the Church of Satan with Anton Lavey, um, who Marilyn Manson is a high priest of the church of satan you know they base a lot of their um teachings from alistair crowley so it's book all, of the law so it's all of alistair crowley's works supposedly from this entity or no just, just this? the book of the law okay i i think there might be others that are similar possibly similar to that but the basis for the religion is from that guy awas he's entitled him and who is awas exactly does does he know even some sort of otherworldly being he drew a picture of him once and it kind of looked like an alien with a big head Hmm. okay but anyway alistair crowley was obsessed with doing everything to piss off the world you know because he came of being in the early 1900s and none of that was acceptable in any way Mm -hmm. you know i mean he was 
legitimately trying to channel demons and uh, participating in uh, ritualistic sex magic he created as part of his religion. So they would like have orgies and with men and women and do all these gross things with each other and all kinds of shit that definitely was not acceptable in 1905 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty much acceptable now. Yeah, know, which but is... at that time, definitely not. But a lot of these... That's why I'm going over who Aleister Crowley is, is because right. a lot of these musicians, and up into this current day, uh, view Aleister Crowley as a um, the original bad boy, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, wor- not, and it's not that they worship him, per se, but he's just like... Uh, they kind of look up to him as an example of... Um, pushing the envelope and whatever and right. his his organization uh the oto the order templar orientis exists to this day and they have uh degrees just like free, freemasonry um that you can join you can join it if you want to this day mm-hmm. and they practice the gnostic mass which is basically like a satanic ritual um you know everything is uh definitely dedicated to the occult and um well just sketchy shit well, that involves just, like sacrifice sacrificing shit and, well, and that's, ritualistic that's, that's things the fucked up part is like look how far we've come in what just a century like that shit wasn't okay back then and now people openly watch that shit probably on the daily you know like, I mean, look up any fucking porn site right now. You're going to find thousands of videos of orgies. And that's fine. And it's accepted and it, it's quote-unquote normal. And look at just our society today in general. Everything is just, it has to be okay. Everything's got to be yeah. allowed. You're not allowed to say that anything is wrong ever, even though a lot of people know it's wrong. But it's just open and on TV and on the radio and out in public. Right. You know? Like, I don't know. Which, at this time, you know, he could have been... Uh, he he was um, heavily involved with lots of very famous people, including uh, Jack Parsons, um, possibly the creator of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Parsons was actually one of the guys that helped create NASA. Um <laughs> Supposedly, Jack Parsons and Aleister Crowley and L. Ron Hubbard were all um, involved in some sort of a channeling um, experiment in the desert where they're trying to summon uh, the Antichrist by, like, using shitloads of drugs and, uh, like, having orgies or having, like, uh, threesomes or something with one of the guy's wives uh, and then trying to summon the devil in the <laughs> desert. Anyway, it's all crazy shit, but Aleister Crowley was involved in it and he, it wasn't like he was isolated. Um, he was heavily known by shitloads of people. I mean, he, he was uh, dubbed the um, most evil man to ever live. Well, I find it interesting that all these people are willing to engage in sexual activity with him because I don't know if you've seen a picture of this fella, but he's not the most uh, 
dashing guy around. It looks a little uh, Fester Adams-esque <laughs> there for sure. Yeah, I would suggest anyone just look up a brief history of Aleister Crowley and you may spend the next few days going into all the crazy um, stories surrounding Aleister Crowley and the countless, countless um, people who have taken Aleister Crowley's work and ran with it basically up into this current day. Uh, so if you ever see someone wearing a shirt that says do what thou wilt or you ever hear that or see that anywhere um, it all came from Aleister Crowley and his book of the law um, so it's not it's not like it's uh, that's not well known so I didn't, yeah I don't know have you ever read the book of the law no I've never read the book of the law I thought about reading it but it's kind of you know with those types of things I'm always leery to do that because in some of those books, you know, they're, they're actively trying to do evil, you know? So it's like, yes, it would be good to read the book for knowledge, but do I really want that in my mind also? It's like, you want to risk what they're putting out there. Right. I, cause I remember trying to read, um, the church of Satan book uh, or the satanic Bible I mean, it's mostly nonsense, but it's like, I just don't really want to dedicate my time Mm -hmm. to reading this. It's just too not for me. And it's probably negative. It's negative overall. Right. But anyway, the point is that Aleister Crowley was uh, questionable at best Mm -hmm. and possibly just pure evil at worst. And his legacy... um, exists to this day with modern day um artists still to this day talking about uh actually not even talking about Aleister Crowley but um wearing shirts to say do it thou wilt or uh little nods to Aleister Crowley which the mass amounts of people don't know what the hell they're even talking about Mm -hmm. which is why I wanted to bring it up because it's so prevalent in the pop popular music um, the fact of people being obsessed with Aleister Crowley. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I recommend everyone just take a look at Aleister Crowley and, um, you know, don't take my word for it. Take a look and you'll see um, what he's all about and why it might not be the best idea to pick him as your role model. Role model. Yeah. So the fact that so many musicians looked up to him isn't that good. It's not a good sign, in my opinion. Right. All right. Uh, on to the next thing. Um, the Beatles. The Beatles are arguably the most famous group ever to have ever existed. I mean, everyone knows who the Beatles are. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere you go, in every country, every continent. Um, but... The Beatles, um, just like other groups, um, have lots of weird coincidences or weird uh, happenings and uh, strange starts. So it's been widely claimed that the Beatles were a creation of the Tavistock Institute, which is a British organization concerned with mass mind control and social engineering techniques. Although that's not their technical stance, it's been widely seen as a mass propaganda machine using 
human relations as its front. Uh, so similar to the way Ed Edward Bernays used public relations, which really just means getting people to do things subliminally through unseen coercions. Um, and I always also found it strange that the Tavistock Institute started in 1947, which is the same year that uh, Alistair Crowley died. Did he have any correlation to <laughs> no, that? No, no. No? Not officially in any way. I just, uh, after I got done finishing my portion on Aleister Crowley, I looked, I was doing my research into Tavistock Institute, and this so happens that it started in 1947, the same year that Crowley died. Mm. So the Tavistock Institute officially is a HR company uh, based in Britain that um, you can hire to help you with human relations or uh, public relation campaigns. Like a publicist, sort of? Kind of, yeah. I guess, yeah. Okay. But um, lots of people think that the Tavistock Institute is really just a, a mind control group, you know, that is behind a lots, lots of different things mm -hmm. um, for the purposes of steering the, the country uh, in a certain way they want it to go. So that's kind of weird that the, the Beatles... Just that fact that that could be a a scenario that it wasn't just four friends from Liverpool who started a group and just so they didn't know each other beforehand they at all or um they did somewhat um but all the original members um of the Beatles aren't the four there was other members prior to them becoming super famous mm -hmm. um in the sixties and I think sixty around. 1960 to 65 is when they really became super famous but prior to them becoming super famous there was a few other members prior to that but you know Ringo, John Lennon, Paul McCartney and uh, George Harrison were the main ones to become famous and mm -hmm. you know, be a part of Beatlemania and all that. Yeah just to think that they could have been started by that organization purely for mind control reasons is sketchy, scary sounding you know. Right. <clears throat> One researcher claims that John Lennon made a pact with the devil uh, in 1960 so that Lennon would receive 20 years of fame and, for in fame and fortune in, in exchange for his soul. And then Lennon died in 1980, um, which is 20 years later. <laughs> you know, that's just pure hearsay, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting that, um, you know, he, he was killed 20 years later after 1960. And some claim that um, John died um, in 1980 because, I don't know if you know anything about John Lennon or Yoko Ono. I really don't. Well, John Lennon was extremely controversial, uh, especially for the powers that be because he was so against the Vietnam War and uh, all that. With Yoko Ono, they were constantly doing protests, mm -hmm. you know, where they're trying to end the Vietnam War or... In something, you know, kind of like how artists are nowadays, where they're constantly doing social justice types of bullshit. But John Lennon and Yoko Ono were like extremely known for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so s some uh, have claimed that John Lennon was about to um, reveal the origins of the Beatles um, on his upcoming tour for 1981, but he was assassinated prior to that happening. Um, but that's just hearsay. 
you know, who knows? Sounds interesting. So that's why I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Some claim that the, the just the name, the Beatles. I was going to ask, is there a reason <coughs> why they've been called that? Because that's such an odd So voice, the, the official, um, they had like 20 names before settling on the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, but the official uh, reason, supposedly, is because, um, you know, they are part of the beat generation, like beatniks, mm-hmm. like before hippies. So just that's where it came from, the beat, the mm-hmm. Beatles, you know. But others have claimed that the Beatles could have come from uh, the horned scarab beetle, which is a religious symbol of ancient Egyptian culture. Um, it's also a poem by Aleister Crowley, the winged beetle. Yeah, that's kind of a stretch. But, you know, there, there's so much um, intertwined um, symbolism between ancient Egypt and uh, Freemasonry and the Illuminati and all these organizations are always using Egyptian, you know, the, the all seeing eye, the always covering yeah. their left eye, and the pyramids, the pyramids and all that. Sometimes the, the Sphinx and stuff too. Yeah. Or... The Sphinx, uh, Taurus, Osiris. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just kind of a, you know, could it be, who knows, but somewhat interesting to think about. Uh, one of the big, one of the things that's, um, I found pretty interesting is, all the weird occult symbolism sur- surrounding the albums, the album covers from the Beatles. You know, back in the day, that was one of the coolest things about buying a record was the cover. Right. You know, it, the all album covers came with the art and they usually have sleeves. and um, But the Beatles album covers were always super weird. Um, so the album Sgt. Pepper, Abbey Road... And uh, yesterday and today are some of the most controversial album covers. Um, Sgt. Pepper album, um, there's just a bunch of faces and people in on the cover and all kinds of weird symbols and shit. And uh, Aleister Crowley is actually pictured on the album. Oh, really? And a bunch of other <laughs> people. Um, same... Like all famous people? Yeah, famous or people, unknown people, but, you know, if you knew, you would know. It's like with Aleister Crowley. Like, at that time, I doubt many people... I'm just saying it's not a picture of just a bunch of people on the street. Like, it's not no, no, no. people that just got together, like, actors. No, it. it's, it's all... It's all people... Famous people in some way, like, okay. uh, from that... Who knows why, but... Okay. But, you know, just because I wouldn't know them, somebody like really knows them like it's a famous person to someone yeah so that's the the controversy surrounding their album covers is that you wouldn't know unless you know right that's kind of the that's kind of the thing with all of this occult symbolism is to the average person who is not initiated into the knowing of all these symbols it's just a symbol to them it's like oh it's cool they came up with it but uh, doing some further digging and you realize Wait, that's actually the symbol for the OTO, which is Aleister Crowley's religion he created. And then you start doing all this research, like, what? why would they put that on their record? Like, it's not like they accidentally did it, you know? Right. It's kind of, it's almost like a calling sign to those in the know. Like, oh, this is for you approved or Illuminati bullshit or whatever. It's a part of the club. Um, 
one of the uh, the most controversial one probably is uh, the Yesterday and Today, which is nicknamed the Butcher album uh, because in the on the cover they're all covered in blood with meat like draped over them while they're wearing like butcher smocks and they have baby dolls scattered everywhere with like missing heads missing arms this is an album cover um which happened to be released in june of 1966 which you know june is the sixth yeah, month, six month of the 66th year. The year. <laughs> oh my you know it, it it's just weird like that's why? very weird and that's a disturbing cover like what's their music about they're not like Judas Priest, where they no, sing no. like that, so that's what's weird. That's what's weird. Like, I could see, like, a Judas Priest-style cover like that. Yeah, like or Black Beatles, Sabbath, right, or... something, but not the Beatles. Yeah. That seems extremely strange. Yeah, so that's what I have always found strange about all this stuff, is I can understand a Slayer, or Dark Throne, <clears throat> or Anthrax, or um, Deicide having a, you know, Deicide, the band... Deicide literally means to kill God. That's the name of the band, Deicide. Oh my gosh. So I can understand if on the album cover for Deicide, if you see some evil shit on there, right. that makes sense. And they're not trying to hide it. All their, Every single song is about Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, one of their main songs is homage for Satan. <laughs> but when you see evil shit on pop music, it's like, why is this on here? Why are there Beatles? Why are the Beatles doing this? Right, that makes no sense. Like, doesn't make any sense. You know, same thing with like Lady Gaga and uh, all these pop stars with all this evil type shit. Like, why? Why the evil? Right. If all the music is not about that at all, mm-hmm. and they're not a metal band, and they're you know, it's weird. It is weird. So yeah, that's uh the weird thing about their album covers. And um, one researcher claims that the dolls and meat were subliminally representing the practice of infanticide by the elite ruling class, which has been in the alternative news over the last few years. Um, you know, like I wonder if that's why Lady Gaga's meat dress. I was just going to say, I wonder if that's why Lady Gaga wore that meat dress to that thing. Right, which, you know, officially it's because she felt that she was just a piece of meat to be on display but it also could be purely just similar to this the Beatles cover like we're just they're just trying to disguise or they're trying to it's like hiding in plain sight yep like Mm -hmm. let's just show you what we're all about and when you ask us we'll give vague answers that could be this could be that who knows but yeah, so that's the thing with the album covers, the at least the Beatles album covers. And there is literally so much information about these album covers that I cannot possibly go over it all. So I recommend everyone just look up Beatles album covers. You, you could spend a, an entire day just looking at Sgt. Pepper's album mm-hmm. and trying to find out all the people on there and all the weird hand signals and everything else. Right. Because it's fucking weird and... Uh, it doesn't make sense to match with their upbeat, positive right. love song music, you know? Right. So another thing about the Beatles is, I had never heard this before. Um, one of the biggest conspiracy theories regarding the Beatles is the Paul is Dead, P.I.D. So there's a theory that 
the real Paul McCartney died in 1966 in a car wreck or some other, possibly a car wreck, and that a lookalike has been impersonating him ever since then, since 1966. What would be the point of that? Uh, supposedly the f- just similar to John Lennon. Uh, possibly exposing the Tavistock Institute and and the real reasons of them being a band. I know, but why get someone to replace him? Possibly because Paul McCartney was not going along with the program and w- was going to try to expose that this fact. I know, but my point is, why replace him? Why not just allow him to be dead and let the world know he's dead? Oh, uh, because they, the money, the money aspect. Um, you know, Paul McCartney... And John Lennon are the main characters of the Beatles. They're the most popular ones. And they were the duo writing all the songs with George Harrison. So they, Paul McCartney was vital to the band. I know, but this new person obviously isn't going to know how to write music the same way or whatever. Right, which th- that's what has led to the controversy and conspiracy theory over the years is that ever since 1966... Um, Everything has been different uh, in Paul McCartney prior to that. The way, you know, even the fact that, like, Paul McCartney was left-handed and then now he's right-handed. Like, all these things that just don't make any sense. There's literally, like, 400 things about this Paul is dead theory. Mm -hmm. I just literally just wrote it down because you're going to have to just look look into it. There are so many weird things about Paul McCartney pre-1966 and Paul McCartney after 1966 that spawned this conspiracy theory. I need to look that up. Yeah. One of my um, old best friends from like middle school or whatever, she was obsessed with Paul McCartney. I mean, that's all she ever talked about. Her whole room was Paul McCartney. That was like her dream man. I don't know why, but that's what she liked. So now I'm very curious to to go and look into that. Yeah, I, I had never heard of this theory, surprisingly. I've never heard of that either. Uh, so, I've heard about it with Elvis and some yeah, other the, people, but I've never heard about it with Paul McCartney. Yeah, so that's the theory that he died in, he really died in 1966 and that the the real, the fall, and they actually don't even call him Paul, they call him Fall, like faux Paul. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's, there's like websites and books dedicated purely to this theory. Um, has I just, Paul McCartney ever commented on that? He's he has made some strange um, uh, comments about it over the years. Like what? I don't have them written down, but like I was saying, there's over four hundred weird things about the Paul Paul is dead theory, and uh, I just wanted to mention it because I had never heard of it before, and it's a uh, another rabbit hole to go down. Right. Uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of go over the basics so people can research this stuff maybe, for themselves. Maybe we'll have to do just an episode purely on that because that's interesting. I'd love to dive deeper into that for sure. Yeah, I was really excited. That, that's why this book has been, uh, you know, I really like this book. Um, there's just so much information that you really just have to read it mm-hmm. to really get the full um, explanation into everything. Can you uh, say the name and author again of that book? So Mark Devlin. Mark Devlin is the author and uh, Musical Truth. Um, There's two volumes. Uh, I'm basing all of this uh, podcast on the first volume. Okay. 
Um, I'm reading the second volume right now, uh, which that is mostly dedicated to uh, house music uh, or like DJ trance, like techno, techno music yeah. of okay. the 90s and um, frequencies, the frequency of music and how the frequency can change your brain waves and all this shit. Um, but I'm not going into that at this current time. So, yeah, I mean, may- maybe the real McCartney was going to expose the Beatles, that they were a creation of the Tavistock Institute and possibly being used as a masked mind control operation. So he had to go. Who knows? Uh, who fucking knows? It's just another theory out there. That is definitely one I haven't <laughs> heard and that I find really intriguing and I would like to know. Yeah, I, I so found I'd it like quite interesting. This is, uh, to me, this all this information, I just have never heard any of this information mm-hmm. prior to becoming interested in the alternative media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just kind of took everything at face value before. But now, uh, anything that I watch or listen to, if you go research it, it, almost every single time you'll find things that just don't make any fucking sense. I mean, pick literally any pop singer or famous person and do 20 minutes of research into the person. And I'm almost positive that some of these links are going to all be similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, their dad happened to be in the CIA. They were part. They they were grew up in a military family, um, or they're in, the independently wealthy family who happened to be related to the King of England, or um, all these things. It's it's not like they're just magically talented and naturally became famous through their own um, merits, right. which I'm sure there's many. And maybe a lot start that way, but if you look into any of these artists or um, like the movie stars, ones. the mega famous ones, just do 20 minutes of research into your favorite one, and I'm betting that you're going to find out that uh, their real name and their bio is going to not be what you thought it was. So that's the basis basics of you know, what's going on with these, uh, music stars. Um, so yeah, that's the Beatles. Uh, next one I'm going to talk about is the Rolling Stones. Um, another strange group, you know, which the Rolling Stones were kind of like the dueling fame at the time of the Beatles. I actually was just thinking about that the other day. Doesn't it seem weird that, cause remember when you were driving in the car and you're like, what is this band? Some weird TLC, uh, rival or whatever. And it's like a one-hit wonder, but almost always there's two groups of the same whatever. Backstreet Boys, NSYNC. Yep. And like, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, Britney Spears. Britney, uh, and Christina. Christina Aguilera. And Mandy Moore, and I don't know, uh, there's another one somewhere out there. But anyway, there's always two. So wouldn't that be smart of someone rising to power to make sure, like, they're Pushing out the shit at the same time, making money off of both. However, one's going to reach that with, with, because they're both doing the same thing, you know, and one's going to reach that top. So if they have two, one of them is bound to make it. You know what I mean? Or it's almost like, just like with my cancer stuff and like the trials, one group is always a placebo group. Right. You know, to see like what happens, like is good going to win or is 
evil going to win. You know what I mean? It would almost be like a race to see what works, what doesn't work kind of thing. And if there's, you know, if all of this is real and there's tabs being done between the good side and the evil side, that would be a wonderful way to to decide. Is is evil going to win or is good going to win based on these two groups that one's technically a placebo group, hence the good, and then one that's got all this shit done to it, hence the bad, and see which rises to fame. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and uh, so the Rolling Stones came to prominence uh, around the same time as the Beatles, but the thing about the Beatles, or the Rolling Stones, is that almost from the get-go, they were um, perceived as the bad boy group mm-hmm. uh, compared to the Beatles. The Beatles were more like a clean-cut group, or at least in the beginning. You know, they all had the same haircut. They yeah. were schoolboys. Um, all their music was positive and uh, love songs. Whereas the Beatles or the Rolling Stones were, you know, they're dirtier, um, edgier, uh, singing songs about sex more so than love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of their most popular songs is Sympathy for the Devil. Um, you know, that's still one of their main songs that's played on the radio still to this day, mm-hmm. which the song is literally just about the devil and how maybe he's not that bad and all these things throughout history um the devil was just doing it to fuck with the world i mean th- this is the song of the beat of the rolling stones why why pick mm-hmm. that it's, you know <laughs> but <clears throat> also uh, brian jones one of the founding member members was heavily into the occult as well and um he died strangely at the age of 27 uh, i'm gonna go into the 27 group in the next installment not in this uh in part two in part two because there's like so many uh famous musicians who died at the age of 27 mm-hmm. and there's kind of a theory theory behind that but brian jones is one of the, a member of the 27 group um, another strange thing I found about Brian Jones, uh, he lived in the former home of Winnie the Pooh writer A.A. A. Milne, who uh, was an alleged pedophile. A.A. A. Milne, the writer of Winnie yep. the Pooh, was an alleged I've pedophile. Actually, I, I have heard <laughs> some uh, I don't know, rumors or whatever about that, because there's some theory into Christopher Robin can't remember what it was, but there's some theory into Christopher Robin about yeah some sex stuff with Winnie well, Pooh and Piglet and yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's very disturbing. And actually, in, in this book, and uh, possibly it's in another book I read, I can't remember, but um, there's a thing um, that was used in the 60s uh, or even in the 50s called MKUltra, Um it was a program by the CIA to experiment on uh, the mind to find out if they could create super soldiers who could, um, you know, remote view. So like be in a room and then be able to see things from a far distance by just um, using their minds, you know, with ESP. Uh, most, so like, so like, technically, like tapping into another person's vision or something. Yeah, like being in, like, say we're in this room right now, but um, if you're remote viewing, you would be able to mentally go to like Russia and 
find a spot inside Russia that's an intelligence service and see what they're doing remotely and write down what they're doing. <laughs> like spying without having to go oh, anywhere. So not, Okay, so the way you said it, though, this is the way I took it, is like, say you and I are in different rooms and I want to see what's going on out where you are, I could mentally, through telepathic means, tap into your vision and see what you're seeing. That's yeah. what I took away from it. Is uh, that what you're saying? Yeah, or are you saying that, like, just literally using your mind to just see anywhere and not using another human being? Yeah, both. Both? Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, most people listening to this will know all about MK Ultra and the program. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not really getting into that in mm-hmm. this episode, but... Uh, in the 60s, they were heavily doing this uh, and ex- experimenting on people to find out if they could uh, control people's minds and if they could, through the use of drugs, cause them to be superhuman or, uh, you know, obviously t- a soldier is, um, the best kind of soldier is, so- is a soldier who has no fear of death and is willing to, you know, could stay up for five days straight and never get tired, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were experimenting on ways to make that a possibility, uh, and one of the ways was through mind control. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, oh yeah, um, the reason that I, I started talking about MK Ultra is supposedly as a part of uh, the Monarch programming portion of MK Ultra. So the Monarch programming is where they purposefully shatter a child's mind through abuse in order to create a split personality in the child mm-hmm. so that they can later on um, become a slave of the person who started this programming on, on them, but have them not know about it. Mm-hmm. So they purposefully split the person, the kid's personality uh, by abuse, you know, like, feeding them dog treats, keeping them in a dog crate, um, separating them from their mother and never giving them affection in any way. Um, Well, as a part of that, uh, supposedly a part of the monarch training is using teddy bears uh, to fuck with the kid's mind. So like making a teddy bear... um, like So every time they touch it, they would shock them every time they touch a teddy bear. Or all kinds of fucked up shit. So whenever you see that, it's claimed that in lots of pop music videos and uh, imagery, anytime you ever see uh, a shattered mirror, teddy bear, um, monarch, butterflies, or any of these things, it's kind of like a clue that the artist producing the music has been a victim of monarch programming Mm. so that's why uh you know like with britney spears she's like a seems like she's a little baby almost yeah britney spears (laughs) like i I don't know if any of you follow the free britney movement i didn't until i just kind of happenstanced across a video one time of her and it was so bizarre because like you know she's older than i am she's got to be what in her 40s probably at least mid 40s yeah and she talks like a baby she dresses the same way every day 
She's never with her children. She's always alone in her home, typically dancing randomly <laughs> and just looks like she's drugged out of her mind sometimes. I mean, every once in a great while, I'll see like pictures of her that she posts at the beach, but she posts tons of photos randomly of roses all the time. Um, I don't know. It's just very strange. So yeah, I could totally see, you know... Yeah, so that's... I can totally see her being a victim of something, right, because some form of abuse, because she is, it's, it's, she's not normal. No, and, and she was a member of the Mickey Mouse Club, mm-hmm. and uh, with lot, Justin Timberlake of, yeah, and Christina of... Aguilera were all part of it. Right. And, you know, so th- that's kind of why I wanted to talk about that a little bit and give some background into the Winnie the Pooh thing, because... So the teddy bear is supposed <clears throat> to represent that? The then? teddy bear, so anytime you see a teddy bear... In anything that's popular um, with music or TV show or anything, um, it's possible that they're really just showing you a representation that mm-hmm. it's they're a victim of monarch programming. Okay. So, you know, it seems innocent and whatever, but if you are initiated into that knowledge, then it's like, oh man. But yeah, so anyway, Brian Jones lived in the former home of Winnie the Pooh. Writer A.A. A. Milne, who was an alleged pedophile. Strange. It's pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also strange links between the Beatles, Charles Manson, the Beach Boys, and a weird director named Kenneth Anger, um, which just that added to the curiosity behind the Rolling Stones and their possible possible connection to the occult and a secret meaning behind their music. Yeah, wasn't uh, Charles Manson like supposed to be in the Beach Boys, or he wanted to be and got kicked out? He or... was friends. He became friends with a couple of the Beach Boys, um, and recorded some music with them. Oh, really? Uh, that I think they even put out one of his songs, but they changed the name of it. But he was a part of that scene for a bit uh, until he went a little bit nuts. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he was involved with the Beach Boys and. A couple other artists at that time, but this link between the Beatles, Charles Manson, even uh, Son of Sam, mm-hmm. was all. There's weird, strange links between all these groups, um, which I'm gonna get into next with uh, the Hate Ashbury slash Laurel Canyon. I don't know what that recipe. Is. So in the '60s. You've got suddenly everything turns nuts in the in the country. I mean, the '60s are arguably the most turbulent decade ever. I mean, you had the Vietnam War, hippies, uh, the invention of LSD, um, the assassination of JFK, Martin Luther King, uh, Bobby Kennedy, Malcolm X. Uh, I mean. Everything you could ever think to go wrong happened in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But at that same time, um, in the... So, Haight-Ashbury is in San, San Francisco. Like, if you ever think of hippies, that's kind of like... That would be the place to go. Like like that one song. If you're going to San Francisco. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So, Haight-Ashbury is just a, it's a street. Haight and Ashbury. Okay. It's just two streets. But that's where all the hippies hung out. Okay. And uh, 
also in Laurel Canyon, um, that's where all these artists, uh, in 64 or 65, the hippie counterculture movement, movement, uh, came out of the, that area, Laurel Canyon. And it wasn't just like a couple, like a shitload. So some of the artists to come out of the Laurel Canyon area are the Doors, the Mamas and the Papas, the Birds, Frank Zappa, Captain Beefheart, the Monkees, Steppenwolf, Alice Cooper, Arthur Lee and Love, the Eagles, John Mayall, Carol King, Crosby Stills, Nash and Young, Buffalo Springfield, Joan Baez, Judy Collins, Jackson Brown, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, um, the pre-version of Fleetwood Mac, uh, Beach Boys, and a few others. So all of these, all those came from that corner essentially, like that street area. Yeah, the area of Laurel Canyon, and a lot of these groups were not from California. They all went to Laurel Canyon and recorded records. All, all these groups, all at this, at this, virtually all. At I wonder the same if time. that area is like designated for people to be like initiated into this shit. You know what I mean? Like this, you know. Okay, just like if I was gonna go to, I don't know, a private boarding school, I'm gonna go to this area. I will be dormed here in this area. Right, like at Yale. You know, right. if you're the best, you go get inducted into Skull and Bones. Right. Become a bones. I wonder if that's like a like the area for people who are going to be initiated into this shit. And so that's, that's the conspiracy. Is it? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, so there you go. it seems strange that all these artists came out of this area, obviously. That's so a lot. <clears throat> there's an entire book about Laurel Canyon. Um, it's called like strange happenings in the Canyon or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the name of it, but there's a, a few different books about Laurel Canyon entirely. But uh, one researcher did some digging and discovered that a majority of these uh, a majority of these artists have ties to the CIA or military intelligence through their family in some way. Mm-hmm. Virtually every single one that I just named off is somehow their family is related to the government somehow, mm-hmm. which it just seems weird, you know. The, one of the biggest ones that stood out to me was uh, Jim Morrison who, you know, the lead singer of The Doors. Mm-hmm. His father was George Stephen Morrison, who just so happened to be the Navy Admiral who was in charge of the fleet during the Gulf of Tonkin incident. So, as the listeners know, if they listen to our episode on the Gulf of Tonkin... Yeah, it was not our very first one. Or no, it was a, one of the first ones. Yeah. I can't remember what number, but if you listen to the Gulf of Tonkin episode... The Gulf of Tonkin is generally seen as what was the responsible for Vietnam mm-hmm. starting. Right. Yep, so that. Crazy. just so happens that Jim Morrison, who Jim Morrison was he- heavily uh, popular, um, super drug guy, um, adored by everyone. Uh, his father was the Navy Admiral who was in charge of the fleet that day during the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which led to Vietnam. However, you could play <laughs> devil's advocate again. You could 
flip that and go, you know, Jim Morrison had a very strict father and thus rebelled into music and yeah, whatever. That's um, so you could easily say that as well. That you know? that's one of the th- main things they say about Alistair Crowley is mm-hmm. because he was born into wealth, mm-hmm. and his father was a Christian preacher or something. And oh yeah, especially if he was like a super overly strict Christian. Yeah, you know, so that some people claim that religion like way too crazy. Some people claim that everything that Aleister Crowley did stemmed from the fact that he was too um, persecuted as a child right. in the church or whatever. But whatever, anyway. So yeah, kind of weird that his dad was responsible for the Gulf of Tonkin, you know. And Jim Jim Morrison actually also died at twenty seven too. He's a member of the twenty seven club as well. How was he killed? He OD'd. Okay. Mo- most of the members of the twenty seven club died of drug overdose. So they say. So they say, yeah. Another strange thing about Laurel Canyon is that during that time in Laurel Canyon there was a covert military facility called Lookout Mountain Air Force Station. Um, supposedly Walt Disney, Marilyn Monroe, and Ronald Reagan are said to have worked there covertly uh, during that era. Hmm. And the base was decommissioned in 1968 at the heyday of the Laurel Canyon area. Another strange thing, not strange, but weird, is that uh, now that area is owned, that property is owned by uh, Jared Leto. Really? Who was an actor? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly. He was in that movie we just watched. Uh, I can't think of what it's called. The one about the cop guy. You know that. Uh, With Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. That that one. Oh, the other guy was the, Jared Leto. The guy that he's like following all the time with long hair. That's oh, Jared oh, Leto. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, right now to this day, um, Jared Leto bought that property. So, just <laughs> kind of weird. curiosity is. That Laurel Canyon, like geographically, is there significance or like you know how we talked about before? Yeah, I don't know things, if like you know like with the stars. Yeah, I don't know about that. Stuff or anything? No, uh, I'm not sure about that. Possibly, but I don't know. I didn't. Okay. I didn't see anything about that. Okay. I just found it kind of strange that the advent of LSD, hippies, Vietnam, Laurel Canyon, um, it all happened in the '60s and. All the artists had military ties somehow, um, and that all this just naturally came about in the '60s on its own. Like mm-hmm. to me, it just seems like um, you know maybe this mayhem was orchestrated by a hidden hand in the music industry in order to further degrade society and bring it to something like what we have now. Well, so <laughs> like you know. The 60s, like you said, was a really rough time. Maybe that was a attempt, you know, by the powers that be to, like, take over the world and it failed. So they're like, well, now what do we got to do? You know? Yeah. Now we, like, to be fair, I think they're, if, if that is what's going on, they're winning and, and whatever because people don't give a shit anymore. People don't give a shit about anything. No. You know, everything's accepted. You have to swallow your opinions and your thoughts, anybody who's got one anyway. And every single person that I've talked to is like, well, I'm just one person. What am I going to do? People don't really vote anymore, which, I mean, does voting really do anything anyway? No, not really, in my opinion. But most people just 
see things that happen or are happening. They're like, well, I'm just one person. I can't do anything about it anyway. So they don't try and they don't have care in it because that, you know, they're working full time. They're literally dumbed down by TV and technology. That's literally at their fingertips at all fucking times. People don't care. So now would be a perfect time to start and try again. If that was an attempt and failed, you know what I mean? They needed to, they realized they needed people to not care about things anymore. How do you get them to not care? You completely dumb down their brain and their frequency and their energy and whatever. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're succeeding. Most people don't give a shit about anything anymore. About their, only their immediate life. Right. And this is kind of my conclusion after reading reading this book is that if there is a hidden hand in the music industry and all industries, basically... It has come to this point we're at right now, which it's quite obvious if, you know, to virtually everyone that we're living through um, another turbulent time time right now. And it this didn't happen overnight. We didn't just one day turn from nothing into all of a sudden covid happens and we're just going to lock each other in our the government's just going to lock us in the house and this just didn't happen suddenly you know this has been happening incrementally over time and the music industry i think is just another arm of the many tentacles that the the powers that be have Mm -hmm. uh that they use to fuck with our minds and to the person who doesn't know anything about this or doesn't care, um, I would say that just to be careful what you listen to or what you put any energy into because for all you know, that was orchestrated by evil people for the purpose of fucking your with your mind. So anytime you ever listen to any music or watch any television or if you're hearing something or watching anything, um, just be at the back of your mind that look for those symbols. Cause we notice them like, in, we'll, we'll be sitting there watching TV, uh, which we didn't have TV for many years, but now that we have TV again, if there's a commercial on watch, sometimes you'll see music videos have tons of them. I mean, they're just loaded with symbol, symbolic satanic shit. Um, yeah. You know, in in the next uh, installment, too, I'm gonna I mean, go into the more symbolism in music videos. This is just kind of the old era prior to music right. videos, but I mean, anything now that you watch or see or hear um, has all these sim- symbols, and uh, once you do a, a basic level of research, um, you know it's just undeniable at this point uh, that something's going on and it's trying to be hidden but the veil is being lifted right i mean it's just as an example think about this for a second they're banning and getting rid of the song baby it's cold outside for the possible maybe possibly idea that it talks about putting uh date rape drugs in a drink possibly uh but yet WAP, Wet Ass Pussy, is played on the fucking radio nonstop. So, you tell me what what the fuck that's about. I mean, and that's not the only one. That's just 
the first one that comes to my mind. You know, why not get rid of songs that are harmless and mean nothing, you know, and replace it with shit that is obvious, whatever. Yeah. But make it seem like that, you know, that innocent song done by somebody who maybe doesn't have um, sinister intentions behind their music and replace it with something that does. I mean... Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, how can you... In my brain, like, how can you even justify that? That that song should be banned, but wet-ass pussy can be played on the radio at all times. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. So if you ever see things, TV, music, radio, whatever, any of that stuff, or just advertisements in general, billboards, if you see something that makes you go, what the fuck? Or whatever, that's how you feel, that's what you think when you see it, you're probably right. It's a what the fuck, it's a... It's supposed to be doing that to you. But you might be one of those people who are awake enough to notice it. Yeah, and I would say, you know, don't <clears throat> don't take my word for it. Um, do Yeah, do your own research. Just do your own research into any of these subjects I've been talking about. Because we're not here to persuade you. We're just here to talk about it. I mean, you got to do your own digging and come up with the conclusion yourself. But... You know, we just want to make sure the information's out there because a lot of people don't know a lot of this stuff and it's unfortunate that they don't. And it takes a lot of time to read all these books and do all this shit, you know. It's didn't it didn't happen overnight. It's taken a long time to right. learn all this information and uh the quicker you learn, the quicker you can um join the fight against that bullshit. You know, the first step is knowing <laughs> knowledge know, is power man and the second you know now that you know now you have to do something about it you know so this is kind of my way of doing something about it even though it's small at least if someone knows then they can choose if you don't know then you're just being yeah, you don't have fucked a choice with. you don't even know like that's why i find it that's why i get so um bent out of shape about my kids or or kids in general watching television or listening or having um, unlimited access to the internet or whatever because children don't know any of this information and they just accept shit they don't know that their yeah, subconscious their face, face value yeah they don't know that their subconscious is being polluted with um, esoteric <laughs> symbols you know they don't know any of this so well, it's different for them, too, because their mind's still developing, so it's literally having an impact on what they'll be like as an adult and what kind of person they will be. You know, an adult, their mind's already formed, so even if we're having it and it's affecting us, it's not going to affect us in the same way as someone whose mind is still developing and it's going to become part of their core values and beliefs. Yeah. Un unknowingly, because it's hidden in there. Right. Because it's tapping into their subconscious. So, you know what I mean? They, it's going to be part of their core uh, belief system and whatever without them even knowing. Right. This it, is why it's so... This is why it's so hard for uh, people to break out of the conventional way of thinking because, uh, like everyone, I knew none of this information. Mm -hmm. I grew up watching The Simpsons, listening to music... Uh, watching TV. I, I mean, I watched TV religiously as a kid. Uh, that's all I fucking did. Besides skateboarding, uh, was watch TV. I mean, and I didn't know any of this information uh, in any way. But I soaked up 
all the TV that I could. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me literally years to reverse all the negative well, and I think aspects that, of television and popular culture. Right. And I think that us not having TV for so many years probably helps too, which was another weird. So like Derek and I have a really weird like coincidence. Well, I, again, I don't believe in coincidences, but I don't have another word for it. We have a lot of weird things that like lined up that kind of didn't make sense, but it was almost like fate that we had to be together just by these weird happenstances or whatever. And like, that was one of them. When I met him, like, I didn't have TV, and he didn't have TV. Like, how many people do you know that just straight up don't have TV, you know? And I find the, like, one person that I literally knew no one else that didn't have TV. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I don't know. Just it's just a something. It's it's small, but it's a something, and it's a something to me. And, like, there's a ton of other things, but still. Yeah. Uh, so, the signs are out there, and it's just, um, it's plain for anyone to see. Uh, it's just a matter of knowing what to look for and just to know that anytime you're, you're tuning in that, you know, it's called tuning in for a reason. You know, if you're tuning yourself in to something, you're, you're basically able to be, you're, that means that you're receiving the info, which you could be receiving unwanted information that's right. going into your subconscious, you know, so, you know, that's why I wanted to do this episode and talk about this subject because, um, it's completely, uh, just unbelievably in your face at this point in life, yeah, it is. uh, way more than, be- than it used to be. And, uh, it's getting to the point where it's, it's almost impossible to even, uh, go one day without seeing some sort of weird imagery um so yeah uh hopefully you gained a little bit of knowledge there and uh uh hopefully you'll come back for the next um installment of this uh subject um yeah all right well thanks for listening um you can find all of our information on doublethoughtdimension.com you can find our podcasts on spotify apple Podcasts. Or you can just type in our RSS feed to whatever podcast player you listen to. Um, You can email us at dtdimension at protonmail.com. We're open to any critiques or information. Um, We're a value for value operation. So if you feel that you received any value from this information, uh, feel free to send that back the same amount of value you received to us in the form of money or anything is fine. You can uh, email us and say hi. Yeah. Uh, it, if you ever want to say hi to our dogs that you can sometimes see in the background, their names are Gypsy, Zia, Tala, and Louie. So, yeah. There you go. We accept any forms of value. So we put out the value that we feel uh, we like, and if you gain anything from that, Feel free to send it back this direction. Um, But yeah, that's about it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care, guys.